This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Hey everybody, this is Derek Johnson along with my two co-hosts, Joey Dangerously and Willie Doog. And we're just hanging out on a Saturday morning and talking about current events in the news. Uh, the Husky football team's preparing for spring ball. The Husky uh, basketball team has missed the postseason yet again. And a longtime sports commentator, John Clayton, passed away yesterday. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about all these uh, uh, topics. Uh, Willie, we'll start with you uh, for this week. And I'll just say that when it comes to Husky basketball, to paraphrase the soup Nazi, no postseason for you. So what are your current <laughs> thoughts on that or anything else? Yeah, I would say uh, combined with an, another abysmal year of Husky men's basketball, uh, I, I don't know if an offseason has never felt ever felt this much like an offseason for, for Husky football. I mean, there's no, there's no basketball to distract in these deep months. Recruiting is totally nothing. Um, it's just, it, it feels like fo- uh, Husky football almost doesn't even exist. So in basketball, uh, I mean, we were talking before, you know, how, how, how kind of amazing it is that Washington's women's basketball is so bad, but I mean, it's pretty amazing that Washington's men's basketball not only is bad, but like how bad it, it, it's been given, you know, everything that all the talent that this state produces uh, in the Seattle area specifically. Um, and again, you know, the, these guys who are probably this age, they grew up with, you know, some good Husky basketball teams. So uh, Husky basketball, I don't know. It's obviously always been an afterthought, but it, it's, uh, I, I wish it wasn't. It's, it's nice to follow and, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be. It, it's pretty, I don't think it's that fucking hard to be good at college basketball. <laughs> it's like you look at the teams that make the tournament and you're like, one, it's 68 teams, so you only have to be like, you know, I think it's one of the top 50 teams because they have those automatic spots for, you know, small conferences. You have to be one of the top 50 teams, like college <clears throat> basketball, to make the tournament. And if you go years without making it, it's pathetic. I mean, it's it, it's really pathetic. And we need something to distract from the fact that there's nothing exciting going on on the football program. That's all. You know what? And, and we didn't make the CBI. We didn't make the NIT. So that's like, how many would that be? Yeah. 120 or whatever? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they didn't even make any of the, uh, the any of the B-League tournaments. Yeah, I mean, and that's just, I, the only thing I did like is I do like the whole thing of all the guys coming back home. And I kind of, it's unfortunate it didn't work out better, uh, you know, because I, I kind of hope that can create some momentum for, you know, both football and basketball in some way of showing that, like, well, the good thing about the portal is you can come back to the weird school you went to for no reason because uh, it's not yet to get away. But, you know, it's it's definitely more more so in football because basketball, part of it is there's only so many spots. So uh, right. I, I would hope that, you know, some of those guys who are back 
even though they didn't do well, I hope some of those guys around campus and stuff and around the city and when they run into people are talking about, you know, it was really cool. We got to come back and, you know, have this experience, even though it didn't work out perfectly. And, you know, creating some good kind of like mojo for that idea of that, you know, you, you playing college sports in, in Seattle in your, in your home area is, it's pretty cool, you, you know. So I, I hope in the near future they do that. I hope they just do that every year now, <laughs> and eventually it works out really well. We get teams like the the 2000s Husky basketball teams, which were guys from Seattle who were really good at basketball, who you know put the put the team as far uh, on the map nationally. Some of our listeners who weren't even born then, so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Those are fun, those are fun teams to watch. Those teams with Nate Robinson, well, Brandon Roy, and Will oh, Conroy. Oh yeah, in oh five. Yeah, yeah, those are they. Well, they made it. They were good. Uh, they made it fun. Um, yeah, they're just you, you know it, it's those it's those teams like the they didn't win it all or whatever. It's like the teams like, they're like 2000 Rose bowl, you know, team, you know, where probably, you know, they they weren't the best team in the, in the country, but they were, they were so fun and they, they mean so much to the fan base. Um, yeah, those, those teams were, were fun. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking as you guys were talking, you know, I, I had texted Wooly Duke like a couple months ago, like, God, that Terrell Brown is going to save Mike Hopkins' job because, you know, they were going on a nice winning streak and uh, he was carrying the team. But now now that I think about it, doesn't Mike Hopkins have to uh, thank Rupa Rocky Suivai for saving his job <laughs> in reality? Because because Jen Cohen can only fire, you know, one coach uh, in the season. And she, I, I don't think she would have fired uh, – I think she would have had to fire Mike Hopkins before she fired Jimmy Lake in the offseason. That's very true. If, uh, yeah, if he didn't have that – if he didn't have that uh, that incident on the sideline. So. Oh, Yeah. So, so for people that are listening and aren't fully tuned in with what we're alluding to there, uh, uh, Ruparaki Fuavai was the uh, <laughs> was the redshirt freshman linebacker that Jimmy Lake punched, and then that's what led to the cascade of events that ultimately led to him being uh, shit canned. So, yeah, which is why we named him the Hardcore Husky Player of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved. <So laughs> well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know one thing you one thing you were just saying there, Joey, that made me think too is that you were you were saying uh, a second ago about how much the 2000 Rose Bowl team means and meant and re- it continues to mean uh, to the fan base. And then I was kind of thinking while you were talking there, the 2016 season we all uh, enjoyed, right? And they went and played Alabama and got to the playoff and everything. Yeah, and as you said that, I kind of thought to myself, you know what? That 2000 team seems to me to be far more revered though than the 16 team. But I might be wrong on that. What do you guys think? Because they're like they're 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 just like the fan base. They they're resilient, just like us. We're still resilient. We still care about the team, 
Uh, and that team was, you know, they were just, they were tougher. Um, yeah, 2016 team had, uh, had NFL talent all over, you know, more, more so than the 2000 Husky team. Maybe someone yes. will correct me on that, but I, I just off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was them not quitting in games. And, you know, even when, I mean, they were losing games by a couple of scores and coming back late, you know, it was, uh, it was just a, you've got Marcus Tuyasasopo who had a shitty NFL career and, uh, you know, they, they faced Purdue and kicked the shit out of them against the NFL hall of famer at quarterback who, who had nobody around him. I mean, really, <laughs> Who, who do you yeah. have? Uh, Vinny was it? Who was the <coughs> Vinny receiver Sutherland. he had? The Vinny, Vinny Sutherland. Yeah, the little white receiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, just that team embodied the spirit of Husky fans. You know, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's. I think that's why. Just you know, we could relate to that team, like. You know, we're just up here in Washington. We don't have a flair of a state like, you know, California or Florida or something like that, you know. So you have a team that doesn't have this big, you know, these big personalities like Miami or um, Oklahoma or Florida State, you know, who were the other three top four teams that year. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, but, I, I just always thought that's why. We don't have Santana Moss. We have Todd Elstrom, you know. <laughs> For like, Puyallup, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So. Or Puyallup is, uh, is uh, what's his name once said? What's, uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. The guy that was always with Herbie for all those years. Uh, Musburger. Fowler? Oh, Musburger. It was Musburger. Yeah. Years yeah. ago, he, he butchered the Puyallup. But, um but uh, it, so it speaks all the more of, of why we, we can't – when we do have five stars coming out of our state, um, we have to obviously keep them. And it's just like Dugville said, shout out to Dugville uh, in, the, in the post that Joey made about us podcasting. And he said, why does every far, five star from Washington <laughs> hate UW? And, uh, you know, those really hurt. So if a Santana Moss, I know he wasn't from California, but if he comes out of California and, and, and USC doesn't get him, there's still six other guys that USC is going to get. And, uh, but if we, have a, if we have a Santana Moss, so to speak, uh, coming out of, uh, you know, Ferndale or uh, Cedar Woolley, and, uh, yeah. he, uh, and, we, and then he ends up going to Notre Dame or Michigan or something, um, it hurts all the more, so. Yeah, we're not uh, – I kind of looked back on it. Before Sam Heward, I'm not going to count – I almost don't want to count Kaysen Williams and Safarian Jenkins because I, I kind of think they were more high four-star guys. Uh, the last, hmm. I think, true five-star guy from in-state because we get obsessed with like, oh, these guys, it's so shocking. It's like I don't think they've gotten one since Reggie Williams because I don't really count – uh, and I almost don't count Sam Heward. And I almost don't really count Casey Williams and Safarian Jenkins because I think they're also guys who, if you were probably in on their recruitment, the Blue Bloods were probably like, yeah, we'll take these guys, but like they weren't going to fight for them. Like I think Texas, I think the 
story was like Tiferian Jenkins was like everyone thought he was going to go to Texas and they might have even hinted like hey you you can come here but you're going to play like right tackle and then he was like well fuck it I'm going to Washington <laughs> uh, again so yeah I mean it's uh the five stars hate Washington they don't want to it's been like 20 years since Reggie Williams that they they I think are looking for any reason not to go there. Uh, and it, it sucks because, yeah, as you said, it's like there's not replacing it. You need it. I mean, and you should have uh, – what do you want to say? Washington produces a five-star, legit five-star recruit. It seems like now a lot more than they used to, but, like, uh, every few years, let's say, and you kind of need that personality. You need that, like, local anchor, big top guy to be on the team. I think it does wonders and for the momentum, and they just have never been able to shift – shift that fucking momentum uh, of like, hey, you're a big-time local guy, come here, and it, it it sucks. And it just feels like for a long time, too, obviously there's been downs with the program, but there's just an extra – and I don't know, maybe if you live in Georgia or if you live in fucking Pennsylvania or something, you're like, all the local guys hate Georgia and they all hate Penn State, even when we're really, really good. Maybe that's the case everywhere, but, like, it just really feels like – the momentum has never been able to change from not having this weird animosity towards Washington from the top local, top local players. And they just don't ever get those guys. Like how have not one of those guys been like, Oh, like my, my family just wants me to stay home. So they don't have to, I don't have to go. They don't have to travel. And, you know, I I can't remember if I mentioned before, but it's like, if you're really a, you know, a a big dick guy who's like, oh, I'm going to be in college for three, maybe four years and go to the NFL. It's like, dude, you're going to have to live in Cincinnati or Cleveland or Pittsburgh or Detroit for the next 12 years anyway. It's like, and guys get fucking drafted from Northern Iowa in the first round every year and from Iowa and these like weird middling programs. Like if you're going to go to the NFL, you're going to go. So why not just like be around here instead of go somewhere else where like, there's like you're gonna give your number to a guy named Jack Sawyer and probably get Jack <laughs> Sawyer's like like butt boy for for the rest of your career because you want to you know chase like a clout or, or think that you have to go somewhere to you know be be like a big guy. So that's I mean we talked about this before, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time I think than people think. That's a long long winded answer for me. You know I. Um... It was a few years ago now, but I remember talking with uh, uh, Nacho, Seafetters Nacho Lover, and um, about well, that was that wasn't the joke, but okay. great, great handle, uh, <laughs> great handle. <laughs> I don't want to get distracted, um, but do you do you guys know the story about how that name came to be? Other than the obvious, but no. It, uh, so I'll I'll tell. I'll either tell it later in the show or I'll tell you guys off air or something. But, um, but, but I just remember he and I were were talking a few years ago about this. That um, uh, I used to go to Fred Meyer on a regular basis, probably like twice a month or so. And it's like I think back to the late '90s, I would go in there, and um, and you would see Husky stuff all over the place. And then as yeah. the years went by and you went through the Todd Turner stuff, it got smaller and smaller and smaller. And now you go in there and you're more likely to see a, a cougar thing or a duck thing before you see a husky thing. And if you see a husky thing, it's it's a little circular rack in the back corner or whatever. Um, 
and so it's just kind of a barometer for where the public interest is. It's just like it's there's just nothing cool about Washington at all. So, and that's what popped into yeah. my mind while you were talking about that. So, uh, the Fred Meyer, the Fred Meyer up here usually has uh, quite a bit of husky clothing, and uh, no, really. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's usually he's got a it it's um I was just in there a few like probably a week ago and there's a lot of stuff on the clearance rack right now, but that that's because it's kind of the I don't know, period of time where they're getting rid of the old clothing. But sure. usually usually around July or August it gets you know, they have a whole section dedicated to uh Husky and cougar clothing, and you know Seahawk clothing. So, yeah, Seahawk. I've, I've you see that stuff good, everywhere, but yeah, I've I've found some good stuff at you know at Fred Meyer's before. So, uh, hmm. yeah, there's still true fans yeah, up here. That's what here. it is down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, not down there in the Subaru. Uh, you know, in the Subaru wars of the Seattle metropolitan yeah. area. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> well, there's a Go Dogs ST here. I'm going to do another shout out. He had a question in, in uh, Joey's thread, and it said, "Is there any position group, offense or defense, you are confident about going into the season?" So, what about you guys? <laughs> yeah, this is a good question. <laughs> no. Uh, is this no, where I, I put crickets in the? Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, no, I, I, I was thinking, you think I was you thinking are? about this. Please what? explain. Please explain what position group you're confident about. No, no, no. I was I was saying it was a good question. Offensive line is going to be the best. Because <laughs> when I was reading it last night, I was I was like, man, if we did a power ranking on position groups, like how would we, like how would we rank them? Um. So if he, okay, so quarterback, no, not confident, right? No. <laughs> well, so I was thinking about no, 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 no. I, I, it, we're, we're, I'm just picturing got someone right from another no. team. I'm picturing someone yeah. from another team listening to this, and then we start our our you know our prognostications here or whatever, or, and then it's like, okay, what about quarterback? No, <laughs> I don't know. It just struck me as funny. Like hey, we're so jaded. Hey, if you sorry to interrupt, though. Go ahead. Me, if you can guarantee me, Mike, Michael Penix stays healthy. Like, would you feel good? Well, yeah. I, I'm intrigued by him. I would okay. feel okay. Uh, well, a- after we go through the positions, I got a little thing on Michael Penix. I was, I was kind of. Uh, went down a rabbit hole earlier this week. Anyways, I mean, if, okay, he, if so he breaks quarter, his femur in the if, if he breaks his femur in the oh, second quarter of the Kent State game, then you know, yeah, it'll be okay, a harbinger. So, so it's a no on quarter. It's a no on we're swiping left on quarterback. <laughs> uh, okay, so so running back. Um, I mean, it's like another. Uh, Wooly Dude called it a humane society. <laughs> uh, I 
Megatron, uh, Megatron. So I want I want a Mecha Megwa to start the season at running back, but we don't have a lot of confidence in that. I I don't know running back is yeah just the average you know let it play out kind of a position right now right. Well, you know, with the new uh, with the new uh, strength and conditioning crew, and I know people have made fun of that guy on our boards and stuff. <laughs> but the, you know, and maybe for some good reason. But you know how these things sometimes work, where you bring in a new system, though, and all of a sudden somebody just blossoms, and then and then three games into the year, you're like, oh yeah, this is our guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I... So you never know. Yeah. That's not much to hang hope on, but you never know. <laughs> That's not where you want to be, but yeah. <laughs> so USC's not saying that, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so O line, are we just? I, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Uh, yes. You know, hoping hoping about the O line. It just. Can't yeah, give up on that. They're, they're a wait. They're a wait and see every year, forever. And then tight end, <laughs> tight end, tight end. You have Devin Culp and Quentin Moore. So uh, that's a no. So we wouldn't. We wouldn't put them. Okay. Culp, so Culp go physically to... looks the part, and and Fudgy loves him. But uh, <laughs> still four no. years running, yeah, four years running a fuzzy love. <laughs> so why, we need to do the receiver. We need to do the all fudgy team at some point. But go yeah. ahead. <laughs> so, so as crazy as it sounds, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, would you put wide receivers above all the other positions? Yes. Yes, and easy. Absolutely, I, mean, I would do. Yeah, I would Unless- do. Unless you can guarantee a Penix healthy, uh, yeah, that's the e- and it's easy. I think it's no question. <laughs> okay, now defense. Um, you want to break it up with defensive uh, interior and you know edge rushers or just defensive line as a whole. I say I just say line. I don't like the edge rusher thing. Yeah, I I think they basically put the end. Yeah, we're gonna okay, uh, we're so, gonna uh, be uh, insulting the edge rusher. Uh, <laughs> what am I trying? Blow with the joke. What am I trying to say? I can't think of the word. So never mind. Go ahead. I I we think have, uh, have, I think calling them rusher is uh, generous. <laughs> They're just edge. <laughs> They're just edge players. <laughs> um. I I mean the D the D line is uh there's there's some uh there's some reason to be optimistic on the interior guys. Um I think that uh Tanufi and Pehopa um coming off the bench for you know Thule and uh Tuatele, I think there's some reason to be op- optimistic with with those four guys, because uh, the young guys showed, you know, showed some good, you know, some good uh, flashes last year. 
got yeah. owned a couple times, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every freshman does, I guess. Yeah, uh, unless you're unless you're Greg fucking Gaines. It's like your kid. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, the one thing were you, were you going to say something, Willie? Yeah. Well, I was oh. going to say that I think that's the number one position where having a strength and conditioning coach that isn't going to Old Dominion uh, could really make a difference because I feel like after COVID, those guys just never recovered, uh, and I I think that could make a huge difference. <clears throat> and I think getting away from the Sam Tamani bodies of like the guy who's as wide as he is tall. I just don't think college football that's not working right now. And I think guys like Tanufi who are more like probably like 285 and can move laterally. Uh, and then having like one kind of like big wall guy, maybe like Thule is, is good. I, I agree that there is, it's weirdly like it could be the worst. It could be the worst of the defensive units easily. It's the one I, I feel like has the most like, it's like it has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. Because it could be god-awful, but it also could be really good. Um, but I, I never posted about this on the boards, but it's something that I got a little bit of a chuckle out of. But do you guys remember from about a year, either one or two years ago, uh, and I'm not making fun of Mike Varell here. I love Mike Varell. But uh, Mike Varell had an article. I can't remember the name of the uh, – the defense alignment, I'm drawing a blank on him, but it seems like he played here for nine years or whatever. But Varel did an article about how he was working out with the same trainer that uh, Aaron Donald did, so he's going to be the next Aaron Donald kind of thing. Um, do you guys remember that? <laughs> who was he talking no. about who, again? Who was he talking this, about? I'm totally drawing a, a blank. It was a white defensive lineman. I hate to specify by race, but um, – Oh, uh, so anyways, it, it wasn't it wasn't Ryan Bowman, was it? Or yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. I couldn't remember the okay. name. And so, so then about two weeks ago, Varel did an article about Tudifi, and it, 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 he's working out. His coach was the same guy as Aaron Donald, and you never know he'll be the next Aaron Donald or something. And I, so I just thought it was funny that uh, here's our next Aaron Donald hopeful. So, well, Aaron Donald, <laughs> you guys don't... Aaron Donald is is changing the prototype of the position, I think, because, you know, he's like 6'2", 280, 285, and it, he's just – it's just straight-up leverage with Aaron Donald. Uh, I mean – Well, I mean Aaron – Do- Aaron Donald could go down as, like, the greatest defensive lineman ever. <laughs> I mean, oh, sure. As crazy but as I that mean, sounds. And I, I don't think Entman was much over 300, and he was 6'2". I think there's – I hate to sound like the super homer guy here, but um, but there, there's – when you compare Entman in college and Aaron Donald at the NFL level, uh, people out there can feel free to scoff. But it, I, I see similarities in the, in the way that they play and dominate with the leverage like you just referenced there. It's, it's the same type of play. Yeah, totally true. Yeah. So well before before we go down rambling about Emterman, uh, we'll, <laughs> let's get to the uh, uh, the okay. So the line, so so the line, the linebackers. Well, are we just passing over? You know, Trice, Martin, Lolohea. Uh, I mean, they just need 
they got game experience last year. Um, didn't really get a lot off the edge from those guys last year. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, they were getting, they were they were getting playing time taken away from them by some fucking dork from Texas that transferred to San Diego State. So, <laughs> wow, well, uh, I feel like just, that could be that could be help. That could be a good situation where when Stark took over for Willingham, you know, there was like when Willingham had these weird guys who were playing like Joshua Gage and shit who were like clearly like guys at the staff, like shitty coaches and staff latch on to guys who do weird shit that they like uh, and prop them up. I wouldn't be surprised if like Cooper McDonald was the guy that that staff like, Oh, Cooper McDonald play him over a guy who was like way better, but who maybe had a more of an, an attitude or I could see that being one of those things where like all of a sudden we're like, how the fuck was like Trice and these other guys not playing over Cooper McDonald and then, you know, if you talk to people at practice, they're like, well, Cooper McDonald, just like with Lake and Gregory, he just did what they said and the other guys didn't. So that, that's another thing where I'm like, I, I have some positivity that that's one of those overnight things like Derek was talking about where it's like, oh, it turns out that like these guys who got recruited to Washington uh, are actually pretty decent. Yeah. Yep. And then I, I remember sometime during this past season that Wooly was was going on a a mini tirade about Trice, and then it was like the very next very next weekend, the uh, very next game, he had some bonehead uh, a fifteen yard penalty that gave the team uh, an extended drive uh, that really pissed me off. But I don't remember what game that was. But I'm not even sure why I'm was bringing it? that up. But you just mentioned Trice. Well, there was the there was the Beaver game where he wasn't it the Beaver game where he flipped off like. It was on a field goal, on a missed field goal. Right, you're a <laughs> douche. The flag. I think that was I think that was me that went on the Braylon Trice tirade. Yeah. Uh, oh. Then he. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't. Hey, then, don't don't be selling people short on their on their <laughs> ramps, man. <laughs> I copyright those rants. <laughs> so please continue then as you go through the defensive assessment. Okay, so okay, line linebackers. So so we're about what on D on D line. It, it's kind of like we're on. Uh, we're we're not we don't have um. We're not super down on D line. It's just kind of. We're on lipo, right? I I feel like that there's uh, there's material there, but do we have the artiste to uh, sculpt it together? Yeah, I think there's we got some bodies in there that could do something. It's not it's not like the linebacker class of the last few years or whatever. Well, yeah, leading into the linebackers, um, so you, you've got um, Ulafosio. And who the fuck? What the hell? Oh, uh, what's his name from Pitt? Bright. Cam Bright. Yep. Cameron Bright. Transfer. And, I, and, I, and that that seemed pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But wasn't he like a 
Wasn't he kind of a rotational linebacker for them? I guess it doesn't matter. He's better than what we <laughs> better than what we've had. I just like the idea that he came from Pitt and he was a team captain, and that that doesn't always mean something, but it usually means something. There's yeah, something and, there. Yeah, and and um, you know, Pitts Pitts generally had a good. I think they've had a good defense because they got a uh, you know that Pat Narduzzi or whatever has been their coach, so. Um, I think Pitts generally had a pretty decent defense. Um, and then you got Carson Bruner. So you've got, those are, would be your three, your top three linebackers. Um, sure liked what he showed. Yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he showed some, some real promise last year. Um, had a couple good games and a couple bad games like everybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, but when you're a freshman, you allow for that. So, still waiting for Hamuli and Tupatala to uh, do anything. Um, yeah, they they had another they had another transfer. Now I, I'm blanking on the that I'm blanking on the name. I thought they had another transfer. Um, you're not thinking of the UCLA would, guy, are you? No, I, no, maybe it was a, maybe it was a freshman they, they signed. I don't know. The, the, uh, the incoming class was so, was such a buzzkill that I think, I think we just, uh, blocked it from our, we're traumatized <laughs> and blocked it, blocked it from our, from our memory. <laughs> um, by the way, can I, can I digress for a quick moment? Yeah. We never mentioned Savelle Smalls, which is another one of the all fudgy team. We didn't even <laughs> mention him. Uh, I mean, just wanted to throw that out there. We went yeah. right through the DL and and never even brought him up. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I, I'm. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I, I would say in short. I mean, hopefully he's like. There were a lot of guys who like. Under. Peterson had careers that they weren't going to have. Stark, they would have been coached by Stark. Just hopefully he's one of those guys, you know, who's just like, it's there, but like, if he gets the right coach, they were going to be like, oh, this is like the guy who we thought he was. Because, I mean, uh, he hasn't shown any really much of anything. And I remember when I hinted that uh, I wasn't quite sure about him from what I saw in high school, and Fudgy went on a tirade on the boards there, <laughs> and in the he referenced the photo of Small standing next to what was it, Dominic and Sue or whatever, and that was supposed to be proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, it'd be great yeah, if he was, came out of nowhere. Go ahead. Oh, Savelle Smalls to me, um, I uh, I had this fear when he signed that he'd be, you know, like Matt Barkley, where he's mm. just basically de- he's just basically developed before everyone is age and then, you know, at some point everybody catches up with him because UCLA you know, Matt Bar- yeah. yeah, I mean, like, Matt Barkley was, like, you know, this great quarterback talent, but I think people were um, basically in their in their mind um, 
they had this, you know, Matt Barkley as an eighth grader against all the other eighth graders. But, you know, when Matt Barkley was like a senior in high school, you know, it was kind of like he was, he had plateaued. So I, I, I'm, I, I was always worried that Smell Smalls was like this big deal as an eighth or ninth grader. And then uh, eventually he's plateauing as a senior in high school. So, um, and the, uh, the player I was, the player I was thinking of was Demario King. So he was a safety at, at junior college, and I think they're going to move him to outside linebacker, um, which is kind of intriguing because he's like 6'3", you know, if you go back to that uh, Christian Capel um, article from the, um, from the athletic, he, you know, he's like 6'3", 215. So, you know, if they put on – 10 pounds, he, he could mm. be a real athletic uh, outside linebacker for it. Pretty uh, pretty intriguing move. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, in a, in a certain sense, kind of like way, way, way back when moving Donald Jones from fullback to linebacker. Yeah. Um well, I mean, you can go. You can go to like Evan Benjamin. I think was a uh, hmm. was a safety that they moved to linebacker, and I think he. I think he only maxed out at like two fifteen. Um, but he was small, but he was small, but I think he led the team in tackles like one or two. Seasons, oh yeah, no, so. no. Your example yeah, is a good he, one. Yeah, he's a, he was a good player. Um, very nice uh, kid another, too. I interviewed him twice. Another, another local guy uh, from Redmond, though, right? Redmond. I think he went mm-hmm. to. Yeah, I think he just went to Redmond High School, right? I don't know the high school, you, but he how, was from Redmond. How do you Husky? How do you Husky fans know that? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're weird and so. borderline creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you don't know what street he was on, right? You don't know what his mom did for a living, right? No comment. <laughs> Good answer. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's good. Okay. So if we okay if we move to secondary, how does uh, how does everybody feel about the secondary? Um, Dominique Hampton will be all Pac-12 by next year. I've got a lot of hope. I've got a lot of hope for him. I got a lot of. I'm I'm a little doogish on Dom Hampton still. Um, and he'll get better coaching now. Well, there's players like Hampton and you know, like even Trice, where they've got a little um, edge to them. Yeah, and if they if they just did it in the right in the right spots, you know it'd be it'd be good. Um, <laughs> Hampton's never gotten a, a fifteen yard penalty for giving the middle finger to the kicker, but yes, he's <laughs> got right. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he had a bad he had a, a bad one against against. Uh, there was a late Michigan. hit, right? Yeah, I guess, late yeah, hit, I mean, right? They, yeah, it was like. They were still only they only down by like fourteen, I think, in the fourth quarter, and they stopped Michigan like 
in Michigan territory and then on third down then Hampton had a terrible personal foul that basically ended the game. I thought it was only like ten to three. Maybe it was a point. seven point game. It was yeah, it was it was it, it was, was horrible timing. I remember that. Yeah, it yeah. was like they they had some momentum. Like the Huskies I think had just scored on their last drive and they had momentum and they got like a stop on like third and long and it was like, Oh shit, they're gonna have to punt and it's like I think from their own territory, Hampton had like a totally unnecessary like taunting penalty where he stood over a guy and legitimately deserved the flag. Was it taunting? Because I remember there was like was. somebody laying on the ground, and then yeah. Hampton comes out of nowhere and pile or uh, plows into him on the ground. Maybe that was a different game then, but it was a, that got a um, a fifteen yard penalty, and I remember thinking, you know what, I'm pissed off at that, but. It shows a little something that when he gets older, because he was just a freshman, right? And when he when he gets older, then he gets some more discipline and maturity, and you combine that with the aggressiveness, and then that's a it just it it it, it forebodes something really good. Yeah, no, I actually it was something whatever it was, it was definitely a thing where you're like that sucks, but you were like it was good to see, especially given you know who else he had back there and guys who were avoiding contact and avoiding trying to like, you know, intimidate yeah. people where you're like, that is going to be hurt, really, really hurt this game, which is also part of like the bad part is they didn't have a chance anyways, but cause you knew that, but you were like, right. If that was a decent, if, if they had better people around him, you're like big shit. We gave up, you know, uh, a first down. We'll, we'll make it, we'll make up for that. But when, you know, given how bad that team was, we were like, well, there's no chance they could ever just stop them on three downs again or, you know, uh, give up a field goal and, but respond with a touchdown. So, yeah, that also has more to do with how bad the team was overall. But, yeah, I, I, he's the only guy I'm excited about in remotely in the secondary. Uh, I wouldn't be – secondary I'm actually very worried about, which feels weird. Well, I'll say this uh, – and I know that I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but like with Asa Turner, um, he did something last year that I have—I don't think I've ever seen in my entire life of watching football, where there was like a, it was like an end around. It was either a screen pass or an end around, and the running back's coming up through the hole, and Asa comes up and he's got a clear shot at the ball carrier, and instead he goes over and engages the blocker, and the guy goes right apple, by him. Apple cup. Was that the yep. apple cup? Okay. And he got a he got a holding yep. penalty that takes back like a touchdown run or a really long run off of it. I, I, I've never uh, I've never seen that in my entire life. I don't think so. No, no, he's he's why he's why uh, the defensive backs are, uh, yeah, at the bottom of my confidence list. Is I, he I, on the I, all fudgy I, team? <laughs> Uh, he's a he's a T he's a he was a TBS ten star. Sorry guys. I know ever ever. <laughs> I know sorry, his life not, and so, death there. Sorry not sorry not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know it was life and death there for a few weeks for people on the boards when we were trying to see if we could get him from Notre Dame. But I wasn't. I you guys know I'm not really into recruiting, so I wasn't really that emotionally engaged. But uh, I interrupted you, Joey. Please continue. Well, look, to to everybody's defense on him, you know, if you watch his high school tape, he, he was like a physical 
he was like a from what I remember, he's like a physical player, and it just. I mean, we we almost say it jokingly, but yeah, the late hit on on Justin Herbert like ruined his fucking career. Huh. Oh, I don't remember it, that because it was a 2019 Oregon game. He he could have either hmm. held up, he could have either held up or laid out Justin Herbert, and it was on like a third and long or something, and he uh, he kind of led up. And then, you know, didn't hit him that hard, but um, he got a late hit penalty, and uh, Oregon ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, and again, I think I think Washington had momentum. They they were stopping them. They they probably would have kicked a field goal, um, but. Ever since then, Turner was a freshman, and ever since then, he, he's just been the softest player on on the team. You know, but you got to you got to think that the new coaching staff will be looking at film of that. I'm sure they've well seen it by now, and uh, the, they're going to. That's something that will be addressed one way or another. I've got to think. You would have thought the old staff would have seen it every game. <laughs> well. There's the one faith I have in this new staff is I know that work ethic is not an issue just from what I'm seeing there. Um, right. Now, whether, whether so it's enough to take C talent and turn it into B minus talent or whatever uh, and win nine games a season with a soft schedule. Uh, but is it enough to, to start recruiting really well and win 10, 11 games a year, which is what we all dream of, you know, that I have doubts about, but we'll see. So, um, but you know, uh, if it was last year's staff, I would you know and have zero faith that any of this would be addressed properly. So, or even identified. Well, C- Capel's got um, projected starters as Turner and Alex Cook. Mm. So that's uh, hey, Alex Cook it has some pretty good hits, but you know, questionable and I don't know coverage and I, I mean. Alex Cook plays physical. Like I'll give him that. Like he he's yeah. not he's not going to go down in the pantheon of great you know defensive players in Washington history. But you know he he plays physical and and plays hard. You know he he reminds me of like uh, my underrated one of I I know people are down on him right now, but one of my underrated favorite players was Justin Glenn when he played because. I always thought he played hard and wasn't out of position very often. And people like gravitated towards, you know, Sean Parker, who was just overrated, you know. And and I think Alex Cook kind of uh, embodies that, you know. No one, no one really cares for him, but it, it doesn't seem like he's, you know, he's fucking up uh, just – blatantly fucking up that much. Right. And and if he's got enough athleticism and aggressiveness and the other stuff in theory can be coached, you know? Mm-hmm. So but but we'll, we'll, something will need to be done about Turner. Uh, Either vast you know, come to Jesus with him and uh a big turnaround. He's he's got the size and the speed and everything. 
Um, but either that or he needs to be replaced. So, Well, Wooly Duke, um, we've probably brought it up before, but Wooly Duke had a great, had a great point. He needs to move to corner. And, yeah. Hmm. Kevin I'd, King. I, yeah. Yeah, I'd be all for that. He'd hmm. be uh, – I don't. I don't think he'd be as intimidated. You know, he'd be out there on. He'd be outside. You know, going against receivers that that are. He wouldn't face a receiver mo- taller than him. So, he would. Be, he's the same size, maybe a little bit bigger than like a a, a young Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. No, he. I my thinking is like Kevin King. Like he has a. Kevin King was a safety. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember him playing safety or if he even really got time. But they have similar body types. They're not like they're rangy, skinny guys. I don't know if Asa Turner is nearly athletic as Kevin King. But I mean, if you're a poor man's Kevin King, I mean, Kevin King was an early second round draft pick. I think you know that's a pretty good place to be, even if he's a shitty Kevin King. Uh, that's better <laughs> better than being, you know, a, a terrible safety who doesn't want to tackle. A shitty Kevin King is, is better than being a shitty Asa Turner. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that uh, dichotomy of when you say someone's a shitty Kevin King and it's like simultaneously a slap across the face and also it's praise, you know, so it's uh, that's funny. So yeah, I I remember Kevin King playing safety against uh, uh, Eastern in the that 2014 game. I I remember him playing safety and he looked he looked like out of place and I was like God here's another you know four star guy we got our hopes up from California that looked good on a highlight reel and I'm like he just looks you know, he looks out of place, looks, doesn't look very good. And fast forward two years and he was, you know, he's Duke legend now. Green Bay Packers, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you go to Capel's article, he's got he's got that uh, transfer Perryman as a starter at corner, who looks oh, yeah. uh, who who is he go, who is he going up against in that that video on Twitter? Um, was it Covington or or Hampton where he's where he's uh, he's their equal size? Hmm. It's one of the two. I can't remember. He was going up against I don't him know. on a drill, and he and he looked. He looked just as big and just as physical as it was either Hampton or Covington, and it was like, oh, okay, they made a they they looks like they found a you know a, a diamond in the rough with this guy. Um, yeah, and Powell Powell for a walk on uh, listed as a starter over you know Covington, Jackson, Spears, McCutcheon, Banks, and Green. Uh, Who's a freshman? But uh, yeah, that's that's saying something about the other guys. If if Michelle Powell is going to be, you know, listed as a starter over him. Yeah, I'm not that enthused about the. Weirdly, when like one year it goes from where you always felt like no matter what they were going to have good DBs to like 
DBs could easily be mm. the worst. Uh, and there's not like it's not like D line or linebacker too. Where I'm like, well, they have some guys who like I feel like maybe are talented, and, and even I would actually say every unit I feel like weirdly except DB. I'm like they have some guys who I feel like have some talent and just haven't been coached. Uh, but DB, I'm like, uh, they have a lot of guys you forgot about completely, like Covington and uh, who's that safety from Anaheim, Julius Irvin and uh, Fabiculano yeah. and stuff like that, who were supposed to be good, but just completely showed absolutely nothing. So, yeah, if you went to my least confident unit, uh, it's, de- it's still O-line, but, like, DB is probably second, my least confident Well, here's the deal, and I already kind of uh, referenced this earlier, but I'll just cast a wide net on the whole team. When you have as uh, chaotic and um, incompetent type of situation and staff that we had last year under Jimmy Lake, and there might have been a a handful of guys, four, five, six different guys at varying positions that do have all the potential in the world, and they're just kind of in this mix going, "What, what have I gotten myself into? What is this? And this new staff, it, it could very well awaken three, four, five of these guys. And it's, oh, there, there's the guy we thought he was going to be. And and that's something I do anticipate seeing this season. I don't know if the season is going to be a success or not. Um, but the, 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 the ingredients are there for those type of things to just type, type of situations and players to just germinate out of nowhere and then go, oh, yeah, okay. I have no doubt that's going to happen. So. <laughs> Now, whether that means that we're still going to lose by 24 to Oregon and everything, I, you know, you know, we're going to lose to Oregon, but uh, so, but we shouldn't. It's 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 you know you know how things are. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was as I was thinking about it last night when uh, you know. Um, who was it that posed the question? Go dogs tea. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about, about it last night, and I, and I was like, I was, I, I was like, I, I bet we're going to be surprised at our confidence level in certain positions. Yes, you yes. Know? So it, if if I'm reading it correctly, would we say it's between wide receiver and? Um, <laughs> Would you go D-line or, or linebacker? Well, we've got a 200-pound punter coming out of Edmonds, so it might be special teams. This guy might have a leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if he has any tattoos on his leg or PTSD from his childhood or whatever. but No, I, no, no. Giles Jackson is not doing it for me as a returner, so... <laughs> not. So it'd be between wide receiver and um, probably linebacker. Probably linebacker, right? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. linebacker. I think is pretty. The only thing is, I heard someone posted on the board about Ulafosio maybe being hurt already again. Uh, if you could guarantee that he's healthy, linebacker I think is steady. I think D-line could be better than linebacker. It also depends on what you consider a linebacker because you got to remember 
like it's technically ZTF a linebacker. Like, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. God, well, we didn't even Smalls bring up has... ZTF. <laughs> well, I was thinking of that a few minutes ago, but I was kind of it was one of those things where we all just we all kind of know. So I guess that's yeah, not a very good broadcast yeah. thing, but but yeah, uh, well, we, yeah, we didn't we didn't go over the receivers by name either. Um, right. But I just think it's, it's funny. A, it's, it's, I, I think it's funny that the the positions we've had attrition at as far as leaving the program, like we're still kind of confident in. Uh, you know, like wide receivers, we've had what four or five guys transfer out. You know, <laughs> like the last couple <laughs> right. years, and uh, you know we've we've had kind of a shitty coach. Uh, and the linebacker, we've had guys just leave the program and, and a shitty coach, position position coach, and we're still – and it's still like the confidence level is like better than the other position. <laughs> well, <laughs> and uh, we haven't even brought up, uh, you know, Bob Gregory to Oregon, but <laughs> – Good Lord. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but other uh, than we're living in bizarro world, but um, I don't think it's so job. that he'll divulge. All, I don't think it's so he'll divulge. You don't have all to the, pay him. <laughs> is, is, is he still getting paid by us? In other words, probably. I don't know. I think it was Road Dog that speculated he was going to just go into retirement now or whatever, but clearly that's not the case. Um, and I don't even know that it, him going to Oregon it requires us to put much brain power behind it because I don't really care. But, you, you know, we could talk about it if you guys want to. But uh, I, I just popped I into my head. It, it was one of those bizarre know. things, though. It was like, what? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. I mean, I I posted on there. I mean, I replied, like, they've had some off-season natty stuff that's, like, kind of – if well, I was right. a fan. That was your post. Yeah, if I was a fan of that program, I'd kind of be like, "Ee, like, like hot poaching Junior Adams and yeah, Bob Gregory." Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I I don't think it's really here nor there. I, I bet you he's kind of like semi-retired, and maybe he's friends with someone on that staff or something. They kind of threw him a bone uh, to be like, "You can be semi-retired and still get a paycheck," which he's kind of been doing for a long time uh, for a while now, anyways. I, I I even feel like well we you know when you hear that he like had to be defensive he had to be coerced to be defensive coordinator <laughs> and then he had to be coerced to be the head coach interim and then you could tell by the way he was his press conferences were like watching a wet mop just sitting there in the it was just <laughs> it was just awful but um, and in a way not his fault because he didn't even lobby for those positions uh, anyways we don't need to focus on that it's over but. I'm trying to be more forward thinking now. So, um, so I went on this little it, my, uh, Michael Penix uh, rabbit hole at work. Well, it's not. It doesn't really. It wasn't really all about Penix. It was just. Uh, I was like thinking, man, if he stayed healthy in Indiana, um, where would he be in the pantheon of great? Indiana football players, because I was trying to think of 
great Indiana football players. And I was like, I can't think of, you know, anybody that stands out in my head. So I went, I, I was trying to Google like, uh, Indiana college football hall of famers. Can you guess how many college football hall of famers Indiana has? I'm going to say two. I'm going to say one. It's, it's six. Wow. It, 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 well, but I think, fuck. See, now I don't have it in front of me, but I think their last one was like probably 30 years ago or something. Um, and then. Didn't they have a running back that went over 1,000 yards three years in a row or something? Like 20 years ago? I'd have to. Sorry to interrupt. Now I got I didn't. I didn't write it down. Um, but they only have six, and a lot of them. I, I want to say the last person who went in was like thirty years ago. So, and then they only have one Pro Football Hall of Famer that went to Indiana, and he's he was a College Football Hall of Famer too. You you know who it is? Uh, I'm sorry. Who are you referring to? What, what did you just say? An, an Indiana football player. They only have one that went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and and he he also went in the College Football Hall of Fame, so he's in both. But well, I don't know. I, no. I, I bet I bet you'd never guess him unless you watch NFL Films Presents recently. Okay. It Pete Pehos. You know who that is? No. I I never knew who he was till I watched NFL films a couple months ago. He was a tight end in like the fifties, and he was oh. like he was like basically the, the he was like the second coming of Don Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> a poor man's Don uh, Hudson. <laughs> he was a poor man's Don Hudson, and yeah. Uh, so he was like um, he was like this great tight end. But he's like basically the greatest player Indiana football's ever had, and he, and I think he was graduated in like 1949 or something like that. <laughs> I, I mean, well, the, if, the player, I, I'm like, I'm like, if Michael Penix could have stayed healthy, he had that one. Uh, was it 2019 when he he stretched out for that touchdown uh, against Penn State at the pylon. Yeah, at the pylon, and it was like, it was, I remember thinking at the time, like Washington could have had this fucking guy. Like, why, why couldn't we get this? Why couldn't we get this guy? He, if we had recruited him, he'd have came to Washington before Indiana. But uh, they had Kalen DeBoer, who, you know, recruited him and saw something in him. So. Gives me a lot of do yeah. hope. And here's uh, here's the player I was thinking of when you asked that question a second ago is Anthony Thompson, and he rushed for at Indiana. He rushed for over a thousand yards three years in a row from '87 to '89, and uh, he rushed for uh, as a senior. He rushed for 1,793 yards at 24 touchdowns. And he had 5,300 yards of rushing in four years and 40, wait, 67 touchdowns. And his jersey is retired in Indiana. 
So that's the guy I was trying to think of. Okay. Went yeah, back, I just went pulled back it further up than I thought. Was, uh, he was National Player of the Year in 89. That I think that's the number I was thinking of, like 30 years, you know. I was thinking of 30 yeah. years ago. So, yeah, and he's he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. But who who knows who Anthony Thompson is besides oh. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably a bunch of Indiana fans, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I had to, yeah, my mind had to go all the way back to the late eighties before I could think of a really good Indiana player, but you know what? It's like, uh, Lincoln Kennedy said, uh, to Napoleon Kaufman when Napoleon was trying to decide between USC, Nebraska and Washington. And, um, he said, if you go to USC or Nebraska, you'll be one of the, you know, among great running backs that go back decades, or you could come to Washington and be the best ever. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, comparatively, Washington has, uh, I think, 17 college football Hall of Famers and three pro football Hall of Famers. So, Indiana, Um, and they're they're one of only three programs that don't have a 10-win season, I think. Maybe it's four. Something like that. What, so, you, what were we looking up a few episodes ago? Oh, it was Boston College. It wasn't Indiana. Because Boston College had never had double digits of wins in a season. They had never won more than nine games. Did we lose somebody? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what happened, but it threw me off for a second. But I'm back. Back to no, still Rick D's Rick in the morning, right? Yep. <laughs> You're on. The listeners right, wouldn't uh, know this, but before we started recording, we had like a 20-minute discussion about uh, Phil Lynott and, uh, and and Thin Lizzy and all this. So again. that's what that reference is about. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and as we as we start to bring this into the boat into the harbor, so to speak, uh, um, we, we, I do want to just bring up John Clayton here in a second. But is there is there anything else in regards to the spring ball or? Um, uh, you know, position breakdowns and stuff that you want to discuss? I'm fine. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get to uh I'm gonna try to get to some spring practices and um likely gonna go to the spring game. So kinda looking forward so to we've, it. So we've wrung all the moisture out of that soiled rag for now? Yeah. My yeah. soiled rag, yes, yeah. <laughs> Loyal I do to the think soiled the team's win. rag. <laughs> Very good. I do think we're going to win at least seven games this year, so it's not like I think we're going to completely shit the bed. But um, there's uh, there's anyways. no team there's no team on the schedule that scares you, should scare you. Maybe UCLA down there. Um, Michigan yeah. State could be a, a, a seven-point win or it could be a, a 31-point loss, you know. I just don't know. It could be a 10-point win. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, offensively, Michigan State has ne- not been a, you know, 
you know, they lost their, their running backs in the draft, so I don't know. Didn't their coach resign in, in disgrace? I'm not scared okay. of them, but it's just that we're we look, we went four and eight last year. We had a we had a poser as a head coach. I mean, we've got a, a leopard print wearing whatever as an athletic director. I mean it's it's uh, it's not good. So Yeah. You just yeah. you gotta hope that um for I, I I have cited two or three things I'm optimistic about during the show. Um, and, and, and I do think that there's reason that we could at least hope for some competency across the board that we haven't seen before. And like you were saying, Joey, just like, oh, wow, there's confidence coming from some of these players that wasn't there before. So, you know. Yeah. I, 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 look, on Friday I went out to uh, Port Orchard. I had lunch with my dad who just turned 83, and I said to him, and my dad was a season ticket holder from 1957 when he was a freshman at Washington. He was a season ticket holder from 1957 to 2018. He only missed one game that entire time, and it was in the 1960s because he was in the uh, you know the Army Reserves. And and I asked him, so this would be yesterday. I asked him, you know, are you excited at all about the Husky football team? And he just shrugged and went. Don't really see much reason to be excited, son. So, and he and he, and he's not jaded like I am. So, Jeez. and so he's like he said that you know he said come August uh, you know they'll start being lots of stories in the paper and it'll probably give him reason to to get a little fired up or whatever. But for now, it's just kind of eh. and he and he doesn't yeah. miss the season tickets. We talked about that before. The primary reason for him was that he he lives out on the peninsula now, and so and he's in his eighties. And so when they have all these seven thirty eight p.m. kickoffs, he doesn't get home till you know one thirty two a.m. and it's just too late, um, which is just kind of a sign of the times or whatever. But um, but there's there's other things too that that he's talked about uh, about why he gave up his tickets and. Everybody saw Mike Damone's post from a couple of days ago about he he got that kind of strangely worded letter or email from the university <laughs> trying to strong arm him into buying tickets. <laughs> well, it's um, funny they they keep extending deadlines <laughs> to people. It, it, it's like, hey, you ran out of time, but we'll give you another two weeks in case you know you're, you change your mind. In case it was an oversight. <laughs> Right, yeah. It's it's de- it's uh, uh, reeks of desperation. Yes. And what is uh what what is um what does the cop say to uh, the uh, the sheriff captain and super troopers? <laughs> desperation is a stinky cologne. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that, I love that movie. Is that our episode title? <laughs> yep. How, I'm going to let us vote on it here because it's either going to be Desperation is a Stinky Cologne or I wrote this down a few minutes ago. AC, Asa Turner could be a poor man's Kevin King. That's the other one I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we somehow combine the two, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, okay. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts in regards to the passing of John Clayton? Uh, we're, we're recording this on a Saturday morning. This would have been yesterday, the night 18th of uh, March, uh, when he passed away at the age of 67. Uh, my only thing is, Wooly Dude's uncle, for some reason, was really obsessed with like 75% of what he's talked about in the last few months has been John Clayton and despising John Clayton. So I, I don't know. Maybe, okay. maybe he poisoned him, poisoned him. It's to the point where like, I, he's going to have to find a lot of new things to talk about because he would not stop talking about fucking John Clayton. And I, I, I don't know what it was about. That's Old all I got John, John Clayton. Clayton. Yeah. Old John Clayton. Uh, the the only thing I, I, I can even think of off the top of my head uh, is I, I got a friend that um he always had this picture of him and John Clayton on the on his fridge and he was he was drunk and I think he spilled like his beer or something on his shirt, so he had this huge stain on his shirt or and maybe it had trickled to like his, his crotch area so it might have looked like he pissed his pants too. And John Clayton looks uh, terrified, uncomfortable, <laughs> out of place in the picture. <laughs> it's just always, and uh, yeah, and my friend always like thought that was funny. Is is like, look how uncomfortable he looks. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I I interviewed John Clayton once um, when I wrote for um, that certain website. Um, if you went to look for it now, it'd be under the name Chris Fetters. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> like so many other articles I wrote, um, and I don't even remember what it was about. It must—I uh, lived in Edmonds at the time, so it was like—I think it was around 2006 or so. Um, and anyways, uh, you know, I, I'll say this: that my greatest enjoyment of him would have been in the heyday of when they had that the radio show of uh, Danny, Dave, and Moore. So it was Danny O'Neill, Dave Wyman, and Jim Moore. And then they would always uh, talk to uh, to Clayton uh, on most days during the week, and it would be a lot of Seahawks-centric stuff. But he would talk about the Mariners and everything. And what I liked about it was there would be a couple of corny jokes thrown in or whatever, but there was it was all substance. I always thought, if we're going to be completely honest, I always thought there was a tinge of arrogance with Clayton that I didn't really care for. Um, but I also deeply appreciated all of his research and connections, and he always had he always he always brought something to the table when he was interviewed about a particular subject, and you you came away with something instead of just like you were listening to a bunch of fluff, which I think is what the fire marshal was accusing our show of being. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I thought anyway. I so thought... I. Fire Marshal Bill was talking about the football program. Well, I thought, well, I mean, I made a reference to, because he said, is this is this show ever going to be serious? And then I said, do you want us to turn into the BBC NewsHour? Because I thought he was I referring he to was, our podcast. I thought he was referring to the football program, but it's no on both, both uh, ends. <laughs> so, you know. Like they always say, uh, you know, scratch a scratch a lefty, find a fascist, or whatever the the saying is. Scratch an actor, find an actress. Uh, you know, you scratch the hardcore husky podcast, and you think it's uh, you think you're scratching a bunch of uh, just 
fluff and malarkey, but there's some substance right underneath all the bullshit. So, you know, we're potting <laughs> at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Here it is. Okay. Will this program ever get serious? I think I know the answer. Yeah, he, maybe he was talking about the Huskies. I thought he meant us. Well, like I said, maybe no on both ends. No, the football program <laughs> won't be serious, and neither will we. And I, I want to say one other thing, too. And actually, I meant to text you guys about this just because whenever, you know, there's thoughts going on uh, around these types of things that we usually communicate Um but like I was, and I, but I was texting a couple of days ago with uh, Sway about this. Was that the for the first time since 2014, the the traffic numbers at Hardcore Husky are noticeably down. That's always been growth every year, and uh, and I was so Sway and I kind of communicated briefly back and forth, thinking like, you know, how is this about the football program, or you know, we we've had some. Uh, major posters like Purple Jays not around much anymore, Pups not around, and this kind of thing. And 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 it was like, uh, huh, I wonder how much of that uh, plays into it and everything. But do you just look at how, like listening to my dad yesterday, who's like the most fanatic of Husky fans ever. I mean, 61 years as a as a season ticket holder. Hey, Dad, you fired up about the Huskies at all? Shrug. Eh, not really. And you think you well, know, if, and this is not, and this is not a slide of DeBoer at all, because it's not his fault per se. But if we had hired someone along the lines of a Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, where the fan base is probably really fired up right now, like the Denver Broncos are about Russell Wilson or something, you know. Um, anyways, you're going to say something. Well, you got to, you really got to. Uh, sometimes it gets old with uh, Wooly Dug and myself, but. Uh, you really got to hang out with uh, Wooly Dude the Elder uh, someday. Cause, <laughs> I mean, really, you'd agree, like, no bigger Duke than, you know, your old man. Uh, <laughs> Big Duke. Every yeah. year, he's, every year oh. he's like, you know, I, and, and honestly, it took Ty Willingham for him to be, you know, super downer, but uh, still went to every game. Um. Yeah. Every every season, like you know, uh, this team, this team could uh, team could win a bunch of games this year. It's gonna, you know, I think there's gonna be this 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 team's gonna be good here. This this, you know, maybe this quarterback, maybe maybe they bring Dylan Morris. He could, maybe he's better this year. You know, and, yeah. He he could get the you to do that a little bit. <laughs> as as opposed to his uncle, right? Uh, I, hear, I hear references to Wooly's uncle and then Wooly's uh, old man. So. Well, yeah, Wooly's uncle will just tell you, uh, you know, a 35, 35-year-old story of him at the Orange Bowl, you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> well, that's going to be probably me before best. too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably, probably my favorite one is, is him at the Aloha Bowl. Uh, I think it was still called the Aloha Bowl, but... but He's at the Aloha Bowl, and all the Michigan State fans are saying, hey, how'd you guys lose, you know, four games this year? You guys are great or whatever. And him saying, yeah, half the fucking team got hurt. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 
Well, even even 40 minutes ago, though, we were talking about uh, something to do with the, well, what was it, the, the position switch and, and moving so-and-so from safety to linebacker and this kind of thing. And then I, I pull out, a you know, Donald Jones switching from linebacker to uh, switching from fullback to linebacker in 1989. It's like, am I going to turn into Frank Costanza here before long, you know? So it's like, let's get a little well, more recent with the uh... – <laughs> Well, give it, give it like – uh, you give it like five, give it like five years, and then we'll we could we could probably reference the same thing from, uh, you know, the 2015 team or something like that. You know, <laughs> just 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 give it. I, and there's something weird about there's something weird about you know like uh, me and Wooly do our memory of Husky football. Like we could reference something from 2009, like it happened yesterday. You know, yes. and, and then uh, we'd be scratching our heads on 2017. Like, yes, how did that? How did we do on that season? But I can't. I can't. It doesn't really like. Doesn't really click in my head. Like what? What happened? But yeah, he asked me where Evan Benjamin went to fucking high school and what position <laughs> he played and. Oh, what yeah, his mother did way, for a living. Ty, uh, <laughs> yeah, by the way, Ty Eriks was a fullback that they moved to defensive end or you know. <laughs> And uh, Will Conwell never played a down, but, you know, he went and went to the track team. How how do I know that? (laughs) I don't know how I know that. Hey, you know what? If Fudgy had been around back then, Ty Eriks would have been on the all-Fudgy team. He would have, yeah. I got a voicemail uh, uh, from Ty Eriks when I was in high school. And really, <laughs> uh, he was trying to fuck me. No, uh, no. Uh, my, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll save no, this uh, for a story for the bonus segment. <laughs> it didn't work out. Uh, no. Uh, in a misguided attempt to try to make me a, a football player, as opposed to some sort of fucking creative dork like I'm probably was set out to be but totally didn't work on until I was too, too old. Uh, my dad like had heard about Ty Eriks. He'd went from like, he ran like a 4.8 or something and then he trained and he ended up running like a 4.4. So he said, oh, you should go uh, find out who this trainer is or this place that Ty Eriks went to to like train uh, for high school sports. And so he sent a letter to the uh, this is how long ago this was to the, the Washington like communications department for sports. And they gave Ty Eric's a letter and he called me back and told me on, in a voicemail, uh, told me who, where the place was to contact, uh, to do the training. And I went there for like, uh, two months and it, it did do pretty good, but I, uh, I, I got lazy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you just you saying that sparked a story though. Real, I'll say real quick here. I don't know if it'll be entertaining or not, but uh, this would have been around whenever 2005 ish, um, and and this is when I worked for uh, Dogman, and so Kim Grenolds had lightly pressured me to swing by a tailgate that they had, and it was uh, I can't was it over by the old Conabear or whatever, but towards the water. And I remember I went down there and I said hello to a few people and stuff like this. And then this guy comes up to me and he's holding a drink. And he goes, hey, you're Dirk Johnson. I said, yes. And he goes, are you are you the one that wrote that shit about my son? And I went, excuse me? <laughs> you know. And he goes, 
And he puts out his hand and he goes, hi, I don't remember his name now, but it was, oh, 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 I'm Ty Eric's dad. And I went, oh, hey, how are you? So there's my story. <laughs> hey, he didn't kick your ass? <laughs> no, no, no. The, uh, the, uh, whatever we talked about after that apparently was inconsequential because I don't even remember it. But I just remember as soon as as soon as I heard Ty Erickson, I just thought uh, I just remembered him coming. This guy coming up to me. I remember he was pretty solidly built, and uh, he just said, uh, "You're the one that wrote that shit about my son." And I'm like, "I wonder who is this?" You know. So, but not much well, of a story okay. there. So, what was he? Uh, was he O'Day? Yep. Yeah. As I recall. I'm fucking weird. What did his mom do for a uh, living? Oh, <laughs> I got a so pretty weird. good Slayer's uh, uh, family story. So he, we were at oh, a, he's a dentist now. <laughs> we went to uh, the 2002 Sun Bowl, unfortunately, uh, which was really unpleasant in every way possible, and uh, we were at, uh, we were at the airport, like waiting and, you know, my dad, there's people in Huskies gear and we were talking, uh, and they were large human beings and my dad got into them talking about what a shitty experience was. And, and I could see that the mom, the mom had like, I think she had like a Jersey on, but underneath a sweater that was a Nick Newton Jersey which obviously meant that they were Nick Newton's parents. And the dad was ranting about how terrible the defense was. And then my dad's thing at the time was he talked shit about the offensive line looking like circus elephants. Uh, he was like, I don't think that. my dad did not know. And the offensive line was terrible. It was the start of, you know, the 20-year run, thanks to New Heisel of not recruiting or developing linemen. My dad did not know clearly that these people were Nick Newton's fucking parents. And I was just waiting for my dad to start talking about the, the uh, circus elephants offensive line when they waddle off and on the field, which was, it was a good, it was an apt fucking at, uh, description of what they did look like. And they, uh, but thankfully the, like the gate got called or something and like into the conversation and we're on the plane. I'm like, dad, like uh, you realize I was like Nick Newton, Terrence, right? He's like, Oh, Good. He's like, good. I was about to start going into the circus elephants. <laughs> oh man, I I never heard the circus elephant put down. That's pretty good. No, nah, it was good because <laughs> at good. that time they just clearly New Hydeville's thing was not strength and conditioning, and he just took you know whatever fucking linemen they could actually get, and so the line just looked like these fucking. They were big, but they just had no movement whatsoever. <laughs> no, it, and I'm just yeah. He's, he's, oh, go ahead. he's always good for a. He's always good for some random, out of left field put down on a, on a, uh, on a player. I don't know if you remember the. Uh, there was a Kia commercial with like hamsters on it like dancing to the party <laughs> rock anthem. I don't know if you remember that commercial. But uh, no, you could you could YouTube it. Uh, anybody who That's wants okay. to probably probably no one <laughs> probably no one cares. Uh, there was a yeah they they're dancing to the party rock anthem and and Willie Duke's dad uh, Willie Duke's dad called Zach Maynard you know the quarterback from Cal 
about ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, he called him the. He always called him the fourth Kia hamster. It's so funny. It's like, <laughs> he's not. He's not fat. He's not like a fat chunky hamster looking guy. He just thought Zach Maynard was a douchebag, so he called him the fourth <laughs> hamster. <laughs> Made no sense. <laughs> you know, Cal's got a legacy of douchebag quarterbacks. They do. That could be an episode right there. <laughs> yeah. They do. I so know, I think Goff, we're running Goff about it. wasn't a bad guy. <laughs> no, I was always stunned he went number one overall, but um but uh yeah. no, he, he seemed like a down to earth guy, so but we're at about an hour and a half now, so should we wrap her up or did you guys wanna is there anything more you wanted to bring up? No, let's let's wrap. Okay. Yeah, we could go all day. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, well, we'll, we'll talk again in another couple of weeks. Good, good chat with you, gentlemen, and we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Sounds good. Hey, see ya. Bye. Hey, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's Gift to College Football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I have to redo that one, but...